Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Let's Partner, a podcast brought to you by the National Association for Professional Development Schools. And my name is Dr. Rebecca West Burns. I am currently the president-elect for NAPDS, and I am the Bill Harold Endowed Professor and Director of Clinical Practice and Educational Partnerships at the University of North Florida. I am so excited today to host this podcast. Um, throughout this year, this is the year of the nine essentials. So NAPDS has released nine essentials that help to distinguish a school-university partnership from a professional development school. If you haven't heard about the nine essentials, we encourage you to go to napds.org, click on the About tab, look for nine essentials, and you can get um, an online access to the most recent edition of the nine essentials. So this year, 2021, is the year of the nine essentials, and we are so excited to have authors here today to talk about Essential 2 which is a focus on um, teacher candidates' active engagement in the community and clinical practice. But before we get to them, what I'd like to do is introduce my colleague here, Eva Guerin. Um, and she and I are co-editors of the book, Clinically Based Teacher Education in Action, Cases from Professional Development Schools. And we have three authors here today who have written a case in that book who are going to share with us about those experience. So Eva, can you introduce yourself and get us started off with our authors today. Hey everyone, so excited to be here today at this podcast and honoring the original and the revised non-essentials. So I'm Eva Guerin, I am a professor at Bowie State University where I coordinate our professional development schools and have been working with professional development schools for many years and am more than enthusiastic about the work that we do. Um, we have three authors with us today, and we're excited to hear about their case that supports Essential 2. And at this time, they're going to introduce themselves. Thank you. Uh, my name is Debbie Reed, and I am an associate instructor at the University of North Florida in the Exceptional Deaf and Interpreter Education Department. And I've also done um, a lot of work in the past several years as faculty in residence at one of our local um, public middle schools. So that's the case that we're gonna be talking about today. Hi, I am Darcy Gray. I am a former resident clinical faculty um, and I'm also um, a current um, adjunct professor for the University of North Florida. And I am the partner side from the K-12 um, working with Debbie and we'll get more into our connection and our partnership as we go along. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. David Hoppe. I am an associate professor and the director of the doctoral program in ed leadership at UNF. I also work with Debbie and Darcy in our undergraduate um, teacher education program focused on special education teacher candidates. Welcome to all of our presenters today and we're really looking forward to hearing about your case. So just a couple of comments about Essential 2. The original Essential 2 talked about a school university culture committed to the preparation of future educators. The revised Essential 2 emphasizes the clinical preparation and shared decision-making and clinical experiences that are involved in Essential 2. So while they're very similar, we are shifting towards the term clinical practice. 
Thanks, Eva. And I just also want to extend a little welcome to Debbie, David, and Darcy. We are so happy that you all are here today. Um, just so that the authors have, or the, the listeners have a sense of the book, um, in this book that Eva and I co-edited, there are um, chapters for each one of the essentials. And within each chapter, there are three cases um, where different authors are trying to illustrate how they are enacting that essential. And what Eva and I tried to do when we put the entire book together was to kind of show a developmental approach to partnership work so that as the cases progress through each chapter, we start to see um, different partners as they are in like the beginning phase of it, as they've been doing it for a few years, or as they're kind of trying to push the boundaries on what each essential means as we learn to partner. So um, the case that we have for you today or to talk about from, from Debbie, Darcy, and David, will highlight their specific context, but we are going to encourage you to check out the book if you are curious about how to partner. Um, and so you can get some different examples uh, about ways in which different people are, are enacting these essentials. And we also encourage you to use the exercises for action in there so you can reflect upon um, the work that you're doing. All right, it is now time to get started. Enough of us talking. Let's hear from Debbie, David, and Darcy. Okay, you three, tell us a little bit about your PDS. We wanna know about the context in which you're working. All right, I'm gonna get us started here. So um, we approached um, Lakeshore Middle School, which is an urban uh, school in, in the district that we work in, um, after going through a very extensive vetting process and decided that they met all of our um, criteria uh, we met their needs and through that um, development stage, Lakeshore Middle was selected as a professional development school. And the initial focus was uh, from the school-based side, they were interested in getting some help in improving math, uh, middle school math outcomes um, for, for their students. And they really had some struggles with um, outcomes for students with disabilities. So through that vetting process, we realized that that was a really great fit for us in our special education program. And it was also a great fit for uh, the school. So one of the things that um, collectively with our school partners, uh, we you know, really decided was that we needed to establish very clear um, new boundary spanning roles. Um, so in that process, we, um, had a resident clinical faculty, which was Darcy that you've met, and um, myself, I was um, the faculty in residence at Lakeshore. So we both worked across uh, school and university contexts, and the goal, of course, was to connect our um, the work of the PK-12 schools and UNF teacher prep program and special education. So we really had multifaceted roles. Um, so when we wrote the, the case, um, we really, all of us thought really hard about where we were in terms of the stages of development. And we really couldn't fit ourselves neatly into one category. Um, so we were, we had been at Lakeshore for about six years when we wrote the chapter. And um, some of our, we had ourselves at standard in developing. And um, the reason we chose to um, kind of put us in that standard um, stage was we had very uh, dedicated classroom space and um, our courses were held 
at the middle school. Um, the administration of the school was very, very accommodating, and we always had a classroom space. Um, our mentor teachers that we were working with in the school provided a continuum of beneficial applied experiences in the classroom for our teacher candidates, um, where they, they had opportunities to um, um, kind of uh, apply what they were learning in their methods courses and classroom management and things like that. And then we had just started looking more at inquiry, which was really exciting. So we were looking to improve student outcomes across those early clinical experiences. And we as collectively decided that we were going to use inquiry to help us do that. So in terms of the developing stage, um, that, that we also felt we needed some work in. And I think this is important to be open and honest about where you are because, um, you know, the goal of course is to improve outcomes. So uh, we know that we had some ongoing um, dilemmas and one of the issues was um, the change of principles. So over the span of six years, we had four principal changes, which um, was a lot of work. So, um, and it was doable and we were able to work with the principals. Um, but every time that changed, it's kind of like you have to take a few steps back and um, bring yourself back up to, to where you were. Um, we were also undergoing some major, um, some major revisions in our program of study. Um, and then um, we really felt like while we were presenting at conferences and sharing the information that we were learning that we were probably not doing as good of a job of sharing that information in terms of publication and the work that we were doing. So we've kind of put ourselves in the developing category for some, for some of those reasons. That'd be great. Yeah, you know, you really make a good point, Debbie. I think a lot of our listeners or our audience members can relate to change, right? Because they say the only constant is change. But if you guys can for us, tell us a little bit about your case. How can you focus in that spotlight for us on, on the clinical practice component and tell us you know, what you wrote in that case? So two specific areas that we want to talk about. Debbie mentioned inquiry. And so we, we started thinking about how we can get our students to better connect with our students to address problems that they are wondering about. Um, and so with Debbie and her courses, we started to connect um, and started collaborating how we can focus not just on our teachers with who are teaching with students with uh, moderate and severe disabilities, but also connecting with our gen ed teachers. So we wanted to make sure that everybody was connected together within this middle school. And so we started collaborating and we started thinking about existing practices and getting not just us, but the teachers to start wondering. We wanted them to start wondering and start developing questions on how they eventually can address so they can better serve their students in the classroom. That, so one of the inquiry projects is we, we piloted with four of the students um, in a self-contained setting. Um, it was supported by the sixth grade inclusive math class. So we focused on the math class specifically. And we started small because the idea with inquiry, we got to start small before we branch out to get everyone involved. So we started with the math class and we discovered, you know, the students outperformed some of the gen ed students 
which was amazing to get that data. Um, but the outcomes led to this development of um, a peer support course. It ended up being an elective. The gen ed students will come into the courses, uh, the classrooms for um, our special education teachers, and they would assist. And it was so exciting to see the students actually connect. And so that ended up with a course code and an elective. And so that was a great experience for our students. The other piece with our teacher candidates is the walk of understanding. So what we did not want is our teacher candidates just coming in, teaching their classes, and then leaving. We wanted them to understand where their students came from, you know, how they come to school, what, you know, what may be causing some of these behaviors as they come into the classroom. So the walk of understanding, um, once I got it, I, and I did it the first semester, and when we added some additional pieces, um, I added the piece of where they had to actually answer pre-questions. And these pre-questions is to get them thinking about like basic questions. When you're driving into school, what are you noticing? What are you seeing? So for the walk of understanding, we would get together, we would talk about the questions, get a feel for what the student, the teacher candidates actually knew about the community. We would gather together. Um, the one piece I did add was we had to walk in silence through the neighborhood, through, through where students would go. Um, some of the areas, the students had to actually go through over train tracks to get to school, through busy highways. Um, I had to get the students the teacher candidates to see how far are like grocery stores from some of the homes of the students. So I said, take pictures, take pictures of everything that you see. And so um, this led to a lot of conversations afterwards. And I think eye-opening experiences for our teacher candidates to realize where their students are coming from. And the pictures that they took were amazing. And it sounds really like this was a really important activity that you all did within your, your um, case to really talk about clinical practice and, mm -hmm. and really getting students actively engaged, not only in the school, but the community. How do we develop teacher candidates' knowledge about the community, right? How do we help Correct. them understand the, the wealth that exists within the community and also the assets that exist, you know, the, the strengths, the, the, the great things that are in the community that um, that they can use because as teachers, they're part of the community. They don't just you know, walk in and walk out to your point. Um, Eva, do you have a, a, one last question or so for our, for our authors here? I was wondering if you had some advice um, about partnering because um, bringing universities and K-12 together, um, there are so many wonderful advantages to it, but there are also um, challenges. And one of the challenges I always think about is timing, different vacations, different hours, um, different approaches. So what, what suggestions do you have for listeners about partnering? Great question, Eva. Um, I think when we were preparing for this, um, there was a few key overarching understandings that I think we want the listeners to come away with. One is to become the first thing about clinical practice that will strengthen it would be become part of the culture of the school and have 
the mentors and the principal try to become as much of the culture of the university. Um, we tend, and I, and I agree with this, to mostly get involved with the school, but we need to bring the, the people from the schools involved into our curriculum. The one thing about Lakeshore was what Debbie and Darcy developed. And I came in about five years ago and I was blown away by the level of cohesiveness. I think becoming part of that community and getting that commitment from both sides that we're all preparing teacher candidates as well as we're trying to improve the school is really important. The second piece that I think of, and again, being special educators, or two of the three of Darcy's a adopted special educator, is this notion of improving outcomes for kids with disabilities and helping teachers to manage that, because that is not how a lot of teacher candidates are prepared, gen ed, administrators aren't prepared about special ed. So how do you embrace this active engagement? And the nice thing that we did is we had this commitment to equity in our partnership that include inclusion, that involved inclusion and the students really pushed that forward as they were doing this first round of inquiry projects. The result of that first round of inquiry projects is a school elective, which is like, I call it like a leadership elective that around peer supports that can help not only the school, but helps the teacher candidates and the teachers understand how to use peer supports. And so embracing that active engagement and letting this, allowing, it's not letting, allowing the students inquiry questions and inquiry outcomes to actually influence the school culture is, is pretty amazing. So, you know, and a big piece of this, I think we often don't talk about this in teacher ed. I try to right from the beginning and Debbie's heard this many times is you're a change agent, you're a problem solver. You're gonna have problems of practice in special ed. Special ed is made up of problems of practice. It's people who don't operate in the way typically people operate. How are you gonna teach them to be the most productive citizens? So challenging the status quo is what our students need to do, but they need to know how to do it productively, not just to criticize. So doing using inquiry and doing this and getting embedded in a school setting and the clinical practice is really, really critical to doing that because we can sit on the outside like we do in all debates and criticize what other people are doing until you actually sit in those, the shoes of the people, it's really difficult. So the notion of inquiry and the notion of this, and then we have to publish this stuff. I love that NAPDS encourages practitioners to publish. We have to go outside of even NAPDS and hit some of the high tier journals where people are. We gotta use podcasts like this. We gotta use Twitter. We've gotta use social media to put our work out there. So, so I think the, Closing comment I want to have, and this is Debbie's word, is we need to have courageous conversations around this stuff and take risks in urban settings as well as other places, because we're in an urban professional development school network here in Jacksonville. So, so I think we really need to challenge how things are done, and we can do that by working together. Um, so I, that's where I want to end is these courageous conversations need to happen. David, your passion about um, publishing our partnership work was very powerful to listen to. And um, I once worked for the founding dean at Bowie State University, and he always used to say to me, if you don't write about it, it never happened. And so I would like to really um, thank you for bringing up that whole topic um, and, and think that perhaps our book on clinically-based teacher education um, 
is the beginning of really taking a hard look at the work that we're doing. I also wanted to mention that the National Association for Professional Development Schools has a variety of places for us to publish. We have two uh, journals, both are peer reviewed, um, PDS Partners, and we have um, also school university um, partnerships. And then we have a variety of um, other um, opportunities to do um, small videos, to do tales from the field. So we hope that those of you listening will consider a variety of places to publish your work. The other thing that I'm, I'm so um, impressed with is that we have always said that while these essentials guide our work and they're so important, they really do blur together. Because as you were talking about inquiry, I was thinking about yet another essential that really highlights um, research and inquiry. So um, this has been a great example of how, yes, we can talk about a specific essential, but they do all blur together and, and interact together. So uh, thank you, David, for your, um, your comment. Yeah, and I was thinking about too for our listeners, since you can't see us, all of us on Zoom are nodding our heads, you know, agreeing furiously um, when David was talking about publishing and getting pieces out there in inquiry. So um, for those of you who are just listening, we agree, even though you can't hear from us. Um, I also want to echo what Eva said, Debbie, David, and Darcy, thank you so much for coming today and for sharing about your case. Um, it was really great. You know, we read about it, but it's nice to actually hear it from the people who are living and breathing PDS work every single day. So we just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us and to share about um, the amazing things you all are doing in Jacksonville. Um, again, Debbie, David and Darcy are just one of the cases in um, the chapter about uh, essential two on clinical practice. There are two other cases in there. And Eva, I don't know about you, but one of the things that really struck me across the cases was um, that the, the essential two, it's focus on teacher preparation and clinical practice and teacher candidates active engagement in the community really um, showed, really talked about across these cases, the benefits not only to um, teacher candidates, right, who were learning to teach, but also to, um, to K-12 students, because the cases actually talk about how, um, how working together actually made a difference for kids. And then the other piece for me too was how, they, David brought this up too about, I think, uh, about the problem of practice, right, and being problem solvers. One of the benefits was that the work that you're doing in the PDS is solving direct needs that you both are coming together around, like it's a joint problem and you all are saying, okay, how do we figure this out together? So um, we encourage you to go check out Essential 2 to find out some more cases. If you are curious about the book, um, feel free to Google or go to Amazon and Google clinically based teacher education in action, cases from professional development schools. Um, you can also reach out and contact Eva or myself. Um, we encourage you to um, go to NAPDS and learn more about the organization napds.org and you can also click on again the about tab learn about the nine essentials if you're curious about the different kind of, um, guiding principles behind you know how do we create high quality school university partnerships and with that eva any other final thoughts before we close today out uh no i have thoroughly enjoyed our three d's today debbie darcy and david and your um description of your PDS um, partnership and um, how you have approached uh, standard two and um, looking forward to our next podcast and um, hoping that you will 
use this book as a starting point to reflect on your own partnerships. And that was one of the things that impressed me today is the deep reflection that our guests had about where they were with each of the um, programs that they um, put in place. So to Eva's point, our next essential will be about essential three. So we will see you next time on Let's Partner. Have a great day, everybody.